Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest continues his series, Fruit and Gifts. Praise the Lord. We're continuing our series this morning on fruit and gifts, and this will be the third message in the series. Amen. Last week, we started getting into the nine supernatural gifts of the spirit that we find in first Corinthians chapter 12. And we started by reemphasizing the fact that we have to be developing the fruit of the spirit in our lives if we expect to operate powerfully and effectively in the supernatural gifts of the spirit. So let's read once again the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians chapter 5 that reside in the heart of every born-again believer. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and the first part of verse 23 in the New King James Version. And by the way, every scripture that we share today will be from the New King James except for one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit emanates from the love of God, which lives on the inside of us, and we have to cultivate and develop that Christian character that grows out of the fruit of the Spirit, amen, if we want to be used by the Holy Spirit in the supernatural gifts of God. Now, this is reiterated by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the so-called love chapter, where he makes the case that the gifts of the Spirit have to be administered in love or you won't be very effective. You essentially be wasting your time, Paul said. In other words, the fruit and the gifts must flow together if we expect to be effective in the realm of the supernatural in our lives and ministry. Isn't that right? If we're ever going to be the glorious church that God has called us to be, more people have to get baptized in the Holy Ghost and start talking in tongues and start learning to operate in the nine supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Why? Because the gifts of the Spirit are an extension of God's love towards mankind. And when you operate powerfully in the gifts, you draw people who don't know Jesus, you draw them to Jesus. Never lose sight of the fact that it's the love of God that has to be your primary motivation when you operate in the gifts. Amen. It's not for your entertainment. It's not so that you can appear to be super spiritual. It's to meet the needs of hurting and dying people. Amen. Glory to God. All right. So let's review the nine supernatural gifts of the spirit that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's pretty plain, if you ask me. So, the Holy Spirit, this is the Word of God, from God to you and me, and He says, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you ignorant. Yet, the vast majority of the body of Christ is totally ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. That needs to change. Amen? Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. That says to me, if the gifts and the fruit are flowing together the way they should in the body of Christ, everyone will benefit and everyone will profit. Amen? 
Verse 8, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Very important point there in verse 11. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are distributed at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. You can't manufacture a gift of the Spirit just because you want to operate in that gift of the Spirit. You have to be available. Yes, it's right to desire the gifts of the Spirit, but they are distributed to each one individually as he wills at his discretion. Amen? Never forget that. If you try and manufacture a gift of the Spirit, most of the time I've seen people try and they fall flat on their face and then they get turned off to the gifts and they never go there again. Don't do that. Just wait for God to move on you, go with it, and move and operate in the gifts as he wills. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, something else I want you to see there is uh, up there in verse 9 where it says, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. That's not just translated that way to make it hard for the speaker to pronounce. It's actually correctly translated in the New King James Version. The Greek word there for gifts is plural. The Greek word there for healings is plural. So the way I look at it, gifts of healings is a way of saying that these gifts are multidimensional and they operate and heal all manner of sickness and disease. Amen. That's the way I look at that. And I said that because we're going to be zeroing in on the power gifts today and we're going to start with gifts of the Spirit. Uh, we're going to start with gifts of healings, rather. All right, to gain a better understanding of the gifts of the Spirit, it is helpful to categorize them by their characteristics and their functions. There are nine gifts mentioned in verse 8 through 10, which we just read, which can be grouped into three categories and three gifts each. First, we have the revelation gifts, which we studied last week, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Next, you have the power gifts, which we'll talk about today, gifts of healings, gift of faith, working of miracles. Next week, we'll talk about vocal, sometimes also called inspirational gifts, and that is tongues interpretation of tongues and prophecy. But this week, we're going to focus on the power gifts, gifts of healings, gift of faith, and working of miracles. They're called power gifts because they involve a display of God's power. Amen? So let's begin by reading where you find the power gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and the first part of verse 10. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles. So beginning with gifts of healings, the purpose of the gifts of healings is to deliver the sick and to destroy the works of the devil in their bodies. Amen. It's that simple. And they operate through a Spirit-filled believer to bring healing and deliverance to another person. Now, Jesus ministered gifts of healings throughout the Gospels, either by laying on of hands or by the spoken word or by both or by some other unusual methods like spitting on somebody's tongue, putting mud in their eyes, 
putting his fingers in their ears so they could see, hear, and speak. Amen? Healing was an integral part of his ministry. So we want to look at that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Now you can go over to Matthew 9, 35, and you'll find almost verbatim that same paragraph. So Matthew emphasizes the fact that Jesus had a pattern in his ministry. He went teaching and preaching and then healing. Amen. You teach and preach first. So faith rises in the hearts of the hearers. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. And then they're healed because they have the ability to receive by faith what God has given to them. Amen. All right, our first example is John chapter 4, verse 46 through 53. This is gifts of healings operating through Jesus. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, I'm just going to tell you ahead of time that Cana is 16 and a half miles from Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. How many know that man received his miracle at that moment when he believed the word that Jesus spoke? Whether it came instantaneously or over a process of time, this is when he received. Amen? And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, that's one o'clock in the afternoon, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. Amen. Because gifts of healings were manifested through Jesus' ministry, this man's son was healed, and his whole family came to believe that Jesus was Messiah. Amen. You see the impact of gifts of healings? Even this one was spoken at a distance of 16 and a half miles, and distance was no problem for the Holy Spirit. Amen. He took care of it because Jesus spoke the word, and because the father of the son believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. Amen. Hallelujah. The nobleman's son was on his deathbed. Jesus spoke the word. The fever left and he got better. Amen. So I want to talk for a few minutes about the anointing. We can't really get too much further into the gifts of healings without talking about the anointing. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus ministered through a special anointing that was given to him to heal the sick and to deliver those that were in bondage. Now, in his own hometown in Nazareth, Jesus got up to read the scripture in the scroll of Isaiah. And we see that here in Luke chapter 4, 
verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's a jubilee statement. He basically said, I'm anointed and I am your jubilee. Everything you lost to the enemy, I'm ready to restore to you. Amen. Glory to God. So the anointing is a special kind of concentration of the power of God. And it always accelerates and enhances the gifts of the spirit, especially the power gifts, gifts of healings, gift of faith and working of miracles. Now, when I used to teach on the anointing in the Bible school, Dan and Ashley probably remember this because I was like a broken record. I said it over and over and over again. I said, there's two things you need to know about the anointing. The two T's of the anointing are this. The anointing is tangible and it is transferable. It's tangible because it can be felt. It is transferable because the anointing can transfer from one person's body to another person's body, even from one person's body to an inanimate object and then to another person's body. It's very mysterious and very wonderful how the anointing can work. I don't completely understand the mechanics. I just believe it and I wonder at it. Amen. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34 Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through 34 is a great example of the two T's of the anointing. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She felt the anointing come into her body and she felt herself being healed by the anointing. So the anointing is tangible. Also, Jesus was completely soaked in the anointing of God and it got off on his clothes and it transferred from him to his clothes and from the clothes to this lady and she felt the anointing. So right there you can see that the anointing is both tangible and transferable. Let's keep reading. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. How did he know? Because he felt the power leave his body. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Jesus said, listen, I know I'm being touched by many people, but who touched me with the touch of faith that activated the anointing so much so that it left my body? Who did that? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So you see, gifts of healings was in manifestation, but it was amplified and enhanced by the anointing. Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. Others in the Bible, like the Apostle Paul, were given a similar anointing to operate in the gifts of healings. Let's go to Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. This is in the King James Version. Because I just couldn't find a version that said it any better than this. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. That word there, special, is the word extraordinary. I think it's wonderful that Paul, he evidently operated in the ordinary miracles of God, but also in the extraordinary miracles of God. And this is one of the ways it manifested through the anointing. So that from his body were brought under the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, this is gifts of healings in operation amplified by the anointing. Paul was so anointed that they took cloths and put the cloths on his body and the anointing was transferred to the cloths. Then they took the cloths and put them on the demon possessed and demons came out and they put them on the sick and they were healed. Isn't that awesome? So when you see people talking about prayer cloths, it's a legit thing, although not everybody's legit that does that. There are abuses. So you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All right, I want to share some personal testimonies when I operated in the gifts of healings, but I want to preface the testimonies by saying this. My thought process when I minister to the sick goes something like this. I go forth determined that I'm going to lay hands on them in accordance with Mark 16, 18, where Jesus said, In my name, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. On that basis, I go to lay hands on the sick. And if a gift of the Spirit manifests, then okay. And if the anointing rises and I feel the anointing on me, so much the better. But I'm going to go forth in faith first and let the others come if it's the will of the Lord. Amen? You don't always have to depend on a gift of healing. You don't always have to depend on the anointing. You can get people healed by faith because Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Is there any clause that would get you out of that? Is there any uh, caveat as they say? No. They shall recover. So it's not on you what happens after you lay hands on the sick. It's on him. And Jesus is basically telling you, I got your back. But it's wonderful when the anointing manifests and with gifts of healing manifest. It's wonderful. And I've had it happen to me. So I'm going to share uh, some things that I've seen over the years in ministering to the sick and talk about whether the anointing was there, whether a gift of healing was there, whether I felt something, where they felt something, where none of us felt anything, I'm going to show you that it really doesn't matter what you feel because all of these things can be in operation and you not feel a thing. Amen. I'm getting so excited. I'm stumbling over a few words. All right, the first person I'm going to talk about is a lady by the name of Linda. In 1991, I was preaching in my home church in Minden, Louisiana, Living Word Worship Center. And I was preaching on it is the will of God for everyone to be healed. And I had a healing line afterwards. And so I went to the first person in the healing line. It was a lady that I knew. Her name was Linda. 
And she said, I have got sinus congestion so severe in my head, I have to go in for surgery to have it surgically scraped out. Sounded really nasty to me. As she said that to me, all of a sudden I had like x-ray vision and I saw in the right side of her face and I could see into her skull and I saw all of the cavities, all of the sinus cavities were just black with congestion. And I said to her, it's over here on the right side, isn't it? She said, yes. Now, how many know that was a word of knowledge? I saw where it was concentrated. So I put my hand up to pray for her. I was going to lay my hands on her by faith in Mark 16, 18. And then all of a sudden, I felt a bolt of electricity come off of my hand, hit her on the head. And before I knew it, she was on the floor on her back. Now, this was a large lady. And she went to the floor in about a second. And the, the catchers had no way of catching her. She was just down. So about the time I started wondering if she was okay, she started stirring, and she got up real quickly, and she ran to the back of the sanctuary into the ladies' room. I found out after the service, she told me, Brother Scott, you put your hand up, the power of God hit me, knocked me to the ground, and all of that congestion started breaking up in my head. I ran to the ladies' room, I turned on the faucet, I put my head over the sink. In about 10 or 15 seconds, all of that stuff drained out of my nostrils, and I am completely free of all of that. Glory to God. How many know that was gifts of healings in manifestation? The anointing was there too. Amen. But I was prepared to pray by faith for her to be healed. And listen, I believe even if I did it by faith, the same thing would have happened. Amen. A guy by the name of Rodney at uh, Fort Wade Correctional Center in Keithville, Louisiana, where Trisha and I used to minister on a regular basis for about 14 years. He came to the meeting. I was preaching to a group of about 30 men. And uh, he came up to me in the middle of my preaching, interrupted me. He had his hand on his neck, and he just kind of walked up. I'd never seen this guy before. It was the first time he ever came to our meetings. And then he took his hand off his neck, and there was, a, there was a growth on his neck about the size of a small plum. He said, can the Lord help me? And so I stopped my preaching. I came around the podium. I got up to him, and I put my hand up, and then he fell out. And the men behind him had to catch him. I didn't feel a thing, but he fell out under the power. Didn't feel a thing. I said, stand him up. I'm going to curse that thing in the name of Jesus. Bring him to me. So they brought him to me. He was all drowsy and woozy. And I just put my finger on it. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse you in Jesus' name. Now shrivel up and die. Now he was scheduled to go to LSU for a cancer test the next couple of days. They were convinced it was cancerous. It was growing. It was getting larger and larger every day. Then we went back home. We drove back home to Shreveport from Keithville. It's about a 30-minute drive. And Trish, she was with me. She had a dream that night. And in the dream, the Lord said, the next time you see Rodney, that growth will be gone. So she told me about it the next morning. I said, praise God. So about two weeks later, we went back. We had another service in the prison. And Rodney was one of the first ones through the gate. He came up to me and he said, look, 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 look. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I said, testify, brother. Tell me about it. He says, I tell you what, the power of God hit me. I fell out. And he says, and it was like somebody stuck a pin in a balloon. That thing started shrinking immediately. He said, it shrunk a little bit the first day, a little bit more the second day. And the third day, it was completely gone. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe the anointing activated there. And I believe gifts of healings were in manifestation there. Even though I didn't feel a thing, it was independent of my feelings. Hallelujah. There was a prisoner with diabetes. I was preaching 
I don't even remember what I was preaching on. But I said, anybody in here that needs a healing touch, come up and I'm going to pray for you. So there was a line of prisoners and I was running out of time and I didn't have time to spend much time with any of them. So I pretty much just went from one prisoner to the next and said, be healed, be healed, be healed. I got to this guy and he says, I've got type one diabetes. I'm tired of taking insulin. I put my hand on his chest and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command your blood sugar to be normal. Went to the next guy. Didn't think another thing about it. As far as I know, he didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. The next time we came to that prison, he came and told me, he says, the next day I passed out, I had an incident. The insulin in my, in my system was too much because my blood sugar dropped to normal levels overnight. So they took him off insulin. So every week he would come back to our meetings, he'd say, it's seven days without insulin, you know, 14 days without insulin. He, he was keeping me posted. He would testify every time. And it got up to 100 days, 200 days, 280 days. And he came up and he said, 283, and they made me take insulin because I got the flu and they were scared. Hallelujah. I'll tell you one that's a little bit more current. That was about 2004. Right here in this church, in this facility, we had a contractor that helped us out with some of the walls and things when we first started. And he sent me a text on Wednesday night just a few minutes before I got to Wednesday night prayer, and he said, they have diagnosed my wife with malignant cancer. They found 18 spots in her lungs, and they don't give her much hope. So I took that text with me to prayer that night. I believe Mary and Sarah were there. There was a handful of us here. We were praying. I said, listen, this is what, this is what the doctor's report says, but we're going to curse those spots in the name of Jesus. We're going to curse every cell of cancer in her body to leave in Jesus' name. And that's what we did. From a distance, they live about 35, 40 minutes from here, you know, more than 16 and a half miles. Amen. A couple days later, I got a text from this contractor and he said, they've done three tests because they don't understand why they can't find any cancer in her lungs. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's talk about the gift of faith. I got to accelerate here. The gift of faith is a supernatural endowment of faith that is beyond one's ordinary level of faith. It often works through a proclamation of faith by one person, which triggers a supernatural faith in another person to receive a miracle. So right off the bat, I have to tell you that gift of faith and working of miracles often work hand in hand. All right, let's look at a New Testament example. Acts chapter 14 Verse 6 through 10. Now, the background on this is Paul and his company were preaching in a town in Asia Minor. And they got wind of a plot to chase them down and stone them to death. Starting at verse 6. They became aware of it and fled to Lustra and Derbe, cities of Lucaonia, and to the surrounding region. By the way, I looked those up and I was determined to pronounce them correctly. So, if you've been pronouncing them a different way, I'm just telling you by the Spirit, you're wrong. <laughs> and they were preaching the gospel there. And in Lustra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Amen. This is an excellent example 
of how the gifts of the Spirit often manifest in combination. The gift of faith, follow me, gift of faith was in manifestation, i.e., Paul made a proclamation. Stand upright on your feet, and a miracle occurred. Work in a miracles must have been manifested because this guy was lame from his mother's womb. There had to be muscles, tendons, bones, body parts that were either missing or not fully developed that became created or fully developed so the guy could walk. So it was a creative miracle as well. Amen. Word of knowledge was also manifested because Paul knew on the inside that the lame man had faith to be healed. That's why he said, stand up right on your feet. You're ready, buddy. You got it. All right, a personal example. Try not to make this long-winded because it's kind of a long story. But when we were there in Corpus Christi at the headquarters of the Naval Air Training Command, I worked for the Admiral there. I was on the staff, and I was also a flight instructor on the side. And I struck up a friendship with a Navy yeoman. That's a Navy rank. It's an enlisted rank in the Navy. And uh, this young girl was a Baptist, and I was a full gospel believer. And so we struck up a conversation and a friendship based on our common belief that Jesus was Lord. Now, she was Baptist, so she wasn't used to hearing this kind of thing. But I was really bold with her by saying things like, you know, I believe, we believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he heals today just like he did Uh, 2,000 years ago, God is still in the miracle-working business. This is the kind of conversation that we would have. Well, I didn't see her for about three or four weeks at the staff there, and I was wondering what happened to her. And so one Saturday afternoon, I got a phone call from her. Now, this was the Saturday afternoon of the Saturday night where we had our weekly Bible study in our home on base at the Naval Air Station, and mostly civilians would get passes and come through the gate and come to our Bible study. Now, that is a miracle. And so she started pleading with me. She was crying. She was sobbing. I was trying to figure out what is wrong with you. She said, uh, Captain Forrest, they, they have diagnosed me with MS and I already lost the use of my legs. They're wheeling me around in a, in a wheelchair, and I've gone blind in one eye, and the other one's going fast. Can Jesus do something for me? I will never forget that day as I stood there on the phone, and I felt this righteous anger and indignation rising up on the inside. And as that anger come up from the inside, I felt something like a cloak from above drop down on my head and my shoulders. I tightened my grip on that phone. I said, honey, you get your sister to bring you here tonight to the Bible study. We're going to lay hands on you and God is going to heal you. Now, a little background, her sister was there helping her because she had a little six month old baby that she could no longer take care of. And her husband was also in the Navy, and he's on a ship halfway around the world. So it was a very desperate situation for this young lady. And I said, you come tonight, you get your sister to bring you over here. God is going to heal you. You know what she said? She said, Captain Forrest, if you say it, I believe it. How many know when she said that? She received her miracle. Whether it manifested instantly or not. That's when it happened. I said, all right, I'll see you tonight. I hung up the phone and then the anointing lifted. And then I'm like, what have I done? And I heard the Holy Spirit said, steady now. Steady now. This is me. 
I'm allowing you to operate at a higher level of faith than you're normally accustomed to operating at because this woman has no one else to turn to. I'm going to do it through you. I said, all right, Lord. That night she came. We anointed her with oil, laid hands on her, and I cursed MS in the name of Jesus, commanded it to leave her body. Nothing happened. But in my spirit, I knew it happened the moment she said, Captain Forrest, if you say it, I believe it. So the next day, they flew her up to the Air Force Hospital in San Antonio, Williford Hall, which is at Lackland Air Force Base. It's about a two-hour flight away. And uh, she was up there for a couple of weeks. I did not hear anything. So I went to the uh, dispatcher of the training squadron. I said, can I take a T-34 without a student? And go visit this young lady in the hospital. I just have to be there. And, you know, to my uh, great shock, they said, well, we got one that's on the schedule that's not on the schedule anymore. And you can use it and just come on down here and just make sure you bring it back at the same day. I said that I just need up and back, you know. So I flew a T-34, two hours up to San Antonio, landed at the Air Force Base, got a base taxi, went over to the hospital, went up to the ward where she was, the floor where she was, talked to the ward nurse. And I said, where is yeoman so-and-so? She could tell that I was traveling because I had my flight suit on. I mean, I just came right from the airplane. She said, I'm sorry, Captain Forrest, uh, but uh, she's gone. And my heart sank. I was like, oh, my Lord. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. We've had her here for two weeks. We have run every test we know to run, and we can't find any evidence of MS in her body. She's regained the use of her legs. She can now see out of both of her eyes. We released her a couple of days ago. I said, praise God, praise God, praise God. And although I flew back to Corpus Christi at 17,000 feet, how many know I was flying a lot higher than that? I had my hands in the air, and I, I could only get them so high because the canopy was, you know, kind of blocking my hands. But I put my hands up to the canopy, and I was just worshiping God. And every once in a while, I had to re connect with the controls because didn't have an autopilot, but I was just wobbling around the skies at 17,000 feet, praising God. Amen. That is special gift of faith and operation. It just drops on you because there is a need that has to be met, and God has deemed you to be the only one available to meet that need. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, let's talk about working in miracles and wrap this thing up. Working in miracles occurs when the laws of nature are broken or suspended in some way by the direct intervention of the power of God. Parting the Red Sea, walking on water, still in a storm with words alone, turning water to wine, making the maimed whole. These are all examples of working of miracles. Now, I'm going to throw a little science nugget out for some of you that like that sort of thing. When Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes to feed 5,000 on one occasion and 4,000 on another, mind you, not counting the women and children, he violated the laws of nature and the laws of science. Specifically, the law of conservation of mass. And that law states that matter is neither created nor destroyed. So how did Jesus break that law? Well, he created more fish and he made more bread seemingly out of nothing. Amen. My personal take on that is this, that Jesus took energy from another system, the spirit realm, 
and converted it in such a way that more bread and fish were created in this system, the natural realm. Amen. Kind of like he did when he created the universe. Amen. Either way you think about it, it was a miracle that violated an established law of science and nature, the law of the conservation of mass. Listen, think about it. When he walked on water, he's violating the law of gravity. Hey, I better not go there. All right. One more example. And this involves the creation by the Spirit of God of body parts that were not there. Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, the King James, I believe, gets it better here because the King James says, your faith has made you whole. Why is that significant? Ten were cleansed, but only one was made whole. Let me say that again. Ten were cleansed, but only one was made whole. All his missing body parts were created by the power of God, and he was made whole. All the rest of them still had missing fingers, still had missing toes. Perhaps they were missing their earlobes and parts of their nose. But this man was restored by the power of God. That is classic working of miracles. All right, one last example, personal example. When we were in Corpus Christi, how many know Corpus Christi was a very formative time in my life in ministry? God began to do signs, wonders, and miracles, and I was just along for the ride. I was teaching a class at our church, Faith Temple Assembly of God, and it was on a Sunday morning, and I would teach the class from 9 to 10, and then 10, 15, service would start. So I was teaching this class on the gifts of the Spirit, and I was working my way through the gifts of the Spirit, just like I'm doing in this series, and I got to the power gifts. And after I taught on the power gifts, I went up to the podium, and I said, God just told me, because I heard him say this, I want to demonstrate he wants to confirm the word that I taught this morning with signs following. I said, is there anybody here that needs a touch from the Lord? And a guy by the name of Andy, he came up through the center aisle. He walked up. He kind of had a gloomy look on his face. And he walked up to me. And as far as I could tell, he was completely healthy. Then he turned uh, like this. He turned his right shoulder to me. And I saw that where his right shoulder blade should have been, there was just a hole in his back. He had a perfectly formed left shoulder blade, but there was nothing there where there should have been a right shoulder blade. I asked him, what's going on? He said, I have a degenerative bone disease, and my right shoulder blade is about gone. Thursday, I'm scheduled for surgery, orthopedic surgery. They're going to go in there. They're going to do some things so that I can have just limited motion in my shoulder. Again. 
that same feeling came over me like when I prayed for Yeoman so-and-so and I spoke to her over the phone. And I felt that mantle come on me and I began to be bold. And before I knew what I was doing, I put my left hand in the hole in his back, which was kind of awkward because it drew attention to his deformity. I put my right hand on his chest and I began speaking to his body parts. I said, bone, I command you to grow, shoulder blade, grow, blood vessels, grow, ligaments, tendons, grow in the name of Jesus. And as I spoke those words, I heard popping and grinding in his shoulder. I could feel things moving around in there. And then all of a sudden, the, the hole in his back began to fill in and push my hand. I remember the sensation. It was just very, very odd. It pushed my hand out of the hole, this power of God, as it grew him a brand new shoulder blade right in front of me and 15 witnesses. And Trish was there. She was also an eyewitness. His eyes got big as saucers. My eyes got big as saucers. He started crying. I started crying. The first time I'd ever seen under my hand a creative miracle performed. Amen. Glory to God. That's classic working of miracles. I believe also gift of faith because that was not a level of faith that I was operating in on a normal level. But God raised me to the occasion because this guy could turn to no one else. He said, they give me no hope. The doctors have no hope. They're just going to do the best they can. Anyway, you know the story. He went in for his pre-op surgery. They took x-rays and they were flabbergasted because they had the x-rays where he had no shoulder blade, essentially, and the x-rays where he had a brand new shoulder blade. And they said, this is a miracle. You, 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 we're canceling your surgery. You're fine. And he, he had full range of motion in that shoulder. Seven years later, when Trisha and I had moved to Louisiana, he called me up. He was passing through town on a sales call. He said, can you talk to your pastor? I want to come and testify that seven years later, I still got a brand new shoulder blade. I said, bring it on, brother. I'll talk to Pastor Bill, but I'm pretty sure he'll be all right with it. So he came to a Sunday morning service, and he got up and he testified. Brother Scott prayed for me. God gave me a brand new shoulder, and here it is. Amen. Seven years later. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we got to rise and become the glorious church that God has called us to be. And walking in the fruit of the Spirit and walking in love and moving and operating the gifts of the Spirit are just part of our DNA. It's a huge part of our calling. We can't shrink back from it. We got to be ready to be used by God in the power gifts, gifts of healings gift of faith, and working of miracles. We don't need to shrink back from the hard cases. Pray for them anyway. Why? Because God loves the people of this world so much that he's willing to pour out his power on their behalf. Amen. Power to save, power to heal, power to deliver. Amen. And these gifts have the potential to change a person's life, to change their destiny forever for the glory of God and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? I tell you, Andy and his wife, Mary, were never the same again after that. They became stalwarts of the church. It revolutionized their life and their calling. They were never the same. Glory be to God. Amen. All right. Next week, we'll wrap up this series by taking a look at the vocal or the inspirational gifts. Amen. Amen. We hope you are enjoying Dr. Forrest's series. Fruit and Gifts. 
If this message has blessed you and you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by donating on our website at gofaithlife.com. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.